Hello, my friend. Welcome to Something for Everybody. My name is Aaron Mashbitz, and I am an extremely proud Jew. And in this episode, I'm going to do my best to try and explore some information and facts that I think are extremely valuable and that everyone should have a grasp and try to understand when it comes to what's happening in Israel. Now, by the time you listen or watch this episode, some new information might have come out, new things might have happened, but I still believe that the information and the facts that I share in this episode are extremely important and valuable to understand. So here we go. The truth is that everything you need to know about the moral imbalance between Israel and her enemies can be understood on the topic of human shields. Who uses human shields? Well, Hamas certainly does. They shoot their rockets from residential neighborhoods, from behind schools and hospitals and mosques. They have laid their rifles on the shoulders of their own children and shoot from behind their bodies. Consider the moral difference between using human shields and being deterred by them. This is the difference we're talking about. The Israelis and other Western powers are determined, are deterred, however imperfectly, by the Hamas use of human shields in these conflicts, as we should be. It is morally abhorrent to kill non-combatants if you can avoid it. It's certainly abhorrent to shoot through the bodies of children to get to your adversary. But take a moment to reflect on how contemptible this behavior is and understand how cynical it is. Hamas are acting on the assumption, the knowledge in fact, that the people with whom they are fighting, the very people with whom their religion does nothing but vilify, will be deterred by their use of human shields. They consider the Jews to be the spawn of apes and pigs, yet they rely on the fact they don't want to kill non-combatants. Now imagine reversing the roles here. Imagine how fatuous, indeed comical it would be if the Israelis to attempt to use human shields to deter Hamas. Some claim they've already done this. Imagine the Israelis holding up their own women and children as human shields. Of course, that would be ridiculous. Hamas is trying to kill everyone. Killing women and children is part of the plan. Reversing the roles here produces a grotesque Monty Python skit. If we're going to talk about the conflict in the Middle East, you have to acknowledge this difference. I don't think there's any ethical or moral disparity to be found anywhere that is more shocking or consequential than this. That's from Sam Harris. And to sort of round out that, that statement, here's a tweet. Supporting the raping of Israeli girls, desecration of their bodies, kidnapping babies and elderly women from their beds, beheading civilians and burning down homes with family, families inside is the opposite, is the opposite of advocating for human rights. That's a beautiful tweet by Hen Madzig. So here's some information on the actual attack and what has happened so far. More than 1,300 Israelis have been killed and more than 2,700 wounded and over 200 taken hostages in a series of coordinated surprise attacks that occurred inside Israel. The attacks began on the morning of Saturday, October 7th. That's when, according to an IDF spokesman, some 1,000 Hamas terrorists crossed the internationally recognized border between Gaza and Israel and began massacring civilians in at least 14 Israeli towns and communities, entering homes and apartments, killing men, women, and children, including... nearly 300 people, young people, who are attending a music festival in the desert. 
The attack on Israel by the monsters of Hamas occurred not because Muslims and Jews are destined by religious necessity to be at each other's throats, but because Hamas, biggest supporters in Iran, a country run by thugs and deemed so even by its own people, had been concerned that the rulers of Saudi Arabia would continue in their laudable attempts to formulate a productive peace with Israel. Hamas is the terrorist organization that rules the Gaza Strip. Hamas does not recognize the right of Israel to exist and has waged what it calls a war of resistance since its inception. Its tactics over the years have evolved from recruitment and deployment of suicide bombers to launching barrages of rockets and missiles, but Hamas has never before launched a military operation of this magnitude into Israel. Israel unilaterally withdrew from every last inch of Gaza in 2005 after dismantling the 21 Israeli settlements that had existed in a territory and handing them over to the Palestinian Authority. Here is a post that sort of explain or uh, will explain a little bit more about what the Gaza Strip is. What is the Gaza Strip? It's a former, it forms the smaller of the two Palestinian territories the other being the West Bank, and it is the base for the terror group Hamas, which currently still holds over 100 Israeli hostages. Who governs and controls? Um, Israel gained control of the Gaza Strip from Egypt in 1967 after its victory in the Six-Day War. For the next 38 years, it controlled the Strip and enabled the construction of 21 Jewish settlements. Hamas, a terrorist organization, took control of Gaza after it won elections in 2006. Since then, no elections have been held. Again, Israel withdrew from the Gaza Strip and evacuated its settlements there in 2005. What is Hamas? Well, Hamas is a brutal Palestinian terror group that was founded in 1987. Hamas says it's freedom-fighting movement, uh, but really it is a terrorist organization Due to their attacks on Israel, the group receives heavy backing from Iran. So a terrorist organization that does not see um, the right for Israel to exist. And so the rationale behind Israel withdrawal um, carried out by Prime Minister Ariel Sharon was the nation of land for peace, that Israel would hand over control of certain territories in exchange for security. The land was handed over. The peace never came. That was 18 years ago. Hamas has ruled the Gaza Strip continuously since 2007 after a five-day-long military conflict with the Palestinian Authority, which was widely hated by Gazans for its corruption. Since Israel's withdrawal, Hamas has initiated smaller-scale military conflicts within Israel in 2006, 2008, 2011, and 2018, as well as won large-scale wars in 2008 and 2009, Uh, which was Operation Cast Lead 2012, Operation Pillar of Defense 2004, Operation Protective Edge, and 2021 Operation Guardians of the Walls. So this current attack was an Iranian attack carried out by Hamas terrorists. Iran is the main arms supplier and political backer of Hamas, which is also supported by Turkey. Um, as the Wall Street Journal reported, the organization and planning for the attack came directly from the Iranian regime and was finalized at a meeting in Beirut. Beirut, um, that's actually very important because Iran backs Hamas as part of its access of resistance, 
which is an umbrella alliance of the region's worst villains, including the butcher Basar al-Hassad in Syria, which killed more than half of half a million of its own people. Hezbollah, the terrorist group that now runs Lebanon, militias in Iraq, and the Halfa tribal army that has torn apart Yemen. Of course, um, Palestinians are suffering. Of course they're suffering. Of course, ordinary Palestinians are suffering every single day under Hamas's brutal rule. But murdering grandmothers and uploading their dead bodies onto Facebook pages for their families to see and massacring people at a music festival are not actions, are not actions taken by people looking to build or fight for a thriving society. And anyone insisting upon asking this question in the midst of where there's still hostages, thousands of people have uh, non-combatants were murdered, women were raped, babies were kidnapped, has a marked inability to acknowledge the suffering of others or maybe just of Jews. That was part of an article in the Free Press written by Elena Newhouse and Jeremy Stern. Unfortunately, some people watching the footage of Israeli women dragged out of their homes and children lying slaughtered on the floors are engaging in a spot of moral relativism trying to see this terror from both sides. Others are arguing we should view this attack in context as though there can be context for what happened in places like Serot. Still, those of the nobler reactions, Iran rejoiced over the massacre with fireworks. In London, some have been celebrating the attacks, waving Palestinian flags and blasting car horns. Because of course, because of course, very important, Israel is the only country in the world that gets criticized when its citizens are butchered. Fortunately, ancient civilizations have a long culture and memory from which they can draw strength. There is no older civilization than that of the Jewish people. Excuse me. For millennia, they have outlived every one of their enemies. They have seen off the Romans, the Assyrians, the Pharaohs, and the Babylonians. We will see off this enemy too. That was from an excerpt from Douglas Murray, who also posted a couple really, really, really good videos on what's happening and showing support for her, for the Jewish people and for Israel. And so I encourage you to check out his work. He's, he's very, very, very in tune and smart with what's happening. Um, and he talks about a lot of political, cultural issues, not just the one happening uh, in Israel, but all over. Um, he's someone that I enjoy reading uh, and listening to speak. <clears throat> So here, here's another article that I think was really profound. I believe it was written by Barry Weiss, and it's titled, When People Tell You Who They Are, Believe Them. Look carefully at who is calling this bloodshed liberation and who is remaining silent, because now we know. Now we know who would have looked at Jews shoved onto cattle cars and said, well, they did undermine the German economy, Those are the people today saying this is a justified response to the provocation of Israel existing. Now we know whose politics are rooted not in conservatism or liberalism or anything else other than simply hating Jews. Now we can see exactly how people managed to always come up with a reason for why the Jews deserved it. The people cheering and waving flags are not celebrating Palestinian liberation. The Hamas attack that began on October 7th won't lead to a free Palestine. Instead, it will lead to, it is already leading to a horrific escalation with more and more dead on both sides. The people cheering are celebrating death. 
I'm struck that American intellectuals are reprinting the picture of the paraglider as an image of liberation, like a new hip logo, that visual of death. Hamas broadcasts the slaughter. I thought it would be enough. Hamas broadcasts the slaughter. I thought it would be enough. Simply understanding that when people tell you who they are, believe them, especially, especially in times like this. Here's another article that I thought was really profound, and I took another snippet from it that may have more downstream effects later on for our world culture and for the Jewish people. The woke scapegoating of the Jews, the Western the Western less response to Hamas atrocities has exposed a virulent new form of anti-Semitism. Since the turn of the 21st century, devotees of identity politics have portrayed Jews as powerful, privileged aggressors, and above all, as the oppressors of the Palestinians. Thanks to the efforts of those identitarians, Jewish identity has become that what so- sociologist Irvin Goffwin characterized as spoiled identity, an identity that is that lacks any redeeming moral qualities, is an identity that invites stigma and scorn, hence the recent campaigns against the Jewish practice of male circumcision and the attempts to ban kosher meat in parts of Europe. Through such campaigns, the old age practices of Jewish people are gradually being made to appear inhumane. Sadly, it appears to have worked. Identity politics have effectively energized and sanitized anti-Semitism. The moral status of Jews has been thoroughly devalued. Back in March 2021, the BBC's flagship politics program, Politics Live, featured a bizarre debate on the topic of whether or not Jews are an ethnic minority. Apparently, this was open to question because some Jews have reached positions of power and influence. They have joined the ranks of the oppressors, in other words. From this perspective, Jewish privilege is but an extreme version of white privilege. Lurking behind the campaign to devalue the moral status of Jewish people is the pathology (laughs) of the Jewish people is the pathologization of Israel. So just as Jews have been cast as hyper-white symbols of white supremacy, Israel has emerged as the exemplar of Western oppression and imperialism. In this way, Jews have re-emerged as the all-purpose 21st century scapegoat. Today we see the convergence of three different strands of anti-Jewish sentiment. Islamist, traditional European, and identitarian, which have revitalized anti-Semitism. This is why a loss of Jewish life A loss of Jewish life can be met with such indifference. So thoroughly dehumanized is the Jew among sections of the Western left. Today, they're willing to excuse a pogrom. Those who have collaborated with the Nazis would often claim that they didn't know that the Nazis were planning to exterminate Jewish people. Today's left-wing collaborators have no such excuses. The atrocities perpetrated by Hamas are there for all to see. Very, very interesting. Yeah, couldn't uh, <laughs> I couldn't uh, pronounce that one word, but you get my point. Very, very important article um, that was written by Frank Ferdy, and all of these articles uh, can be found online. I took some of the the best snippets. The one that sort of 
uh, encapsulated the points the best throughout the whole articles. They explained a little more in depth, but I just wanted to try and give people sort of a full picture of what's happening, maybe what has happened, what potentially led to this, and what are the downstream effects of this happening for Jews uh, everywhere. Here's a really cool uh, Instagram post, not cool, but really well said and well written Instagram post that I resonated with deeply, um, and I want to read that to you now. Most of the time, us Jews walk around with a false sense of security. In Israel, we can feel safe and protected. In the diaspora, we may feel assimilated and accepted. Times like this remind us that we are grossly outnumbered by those who hate us. The crushing force of this reality is soul-destroying. But this time, we won't forget. We won't forget those who were silent on the deadliest day for Jews since the Holocaust, only speaking up when Israel retaliated. We won't forget those who justified the murder, rape, and kidnapping of our children using our own language and trauma against us. We won't forget the social justice accounts that posted cute infographics of terrorists on their paragliders as if shooting young people at a festival is activism. We won't forget the friends, colleagues, and acquaintances who abandoned us in a time of need. We won't forget those who viewed our lives as disposable. But even when it feels like the whole world is against us, when we feel we are shouting into the void, our resolve only strengthens. It reminds us just how much we need this homeland, this community, each other. We have nothing else. We mourn the loss. We mourn the loss of innocent Palestinians who are paying a heavy price for the acts of terror committed against us by Hamas. We pray for peace and coexistence for the end of bloodshed. But we know but we know that this will only happen when the world, and particularly the Middle East, understands that we are not going anywhere. We are not going to just lie down and die. We have come this far, and we have lost too much already. Our community is strong, smart, and resilient. We are here to stay. Am Yisrael Chai. Today, tomorrow, and always. So I have a few more things to share with you. Um, one is, is, is a recent excerpt from a Jordan Peterson article that I believe he's going to do a video on, so maybe he'll explain a little bit more, but I, I think this is an important nugget from that article. I believe that Jews, Christians, and Muslims share more in common than what divides them. And because I know that since there is no such thing as a world without religion, we must do what is best with what we have been bequeathed. <clears throat> we need transcendental access to revolve around, to move us beyond a blinkered materialism, to protect us against a foolish populism, and to lift up our eyes to the eternal heaven, beckoning above us. In the West, we have that for all the faults of the followers of the creeds, and even with the creeds themselves, as currently understood in the form of Islam, Christianity, and Judaism. We need our Abrahamic faith, Lest the hedonistic pagans and wars prevail, we need to stand united behind it. And this is why I'm pro-Muslim, but anti the thuggish behavior that we have seen in the past week. And if you're a true follower of Allah, that is the decision that is incumbent upon you in equal measure. And that goes as well for Jews and Christians too. Again, excerpt from Jordan Peterson, who wrote that article. I believe he's going to come out with a video uh, explaining more of that and what's happening and his reactions to it all. Now, I want to end you with this. This is some words that were written by my unbelievably talented cousin, Jessica Ovaja, 
who lives with her children and husband in Israel. And these are her personal accounts of what she has experienced while living through these absolute atrocities and trying to keep herself and her family safe. If words matter, as they always do, here's some thoughts about the words being used today. War. Israel is at war. On Saturday morning, humanity was slaughtered. And today, four days later, we continue to die. This must never happen again. Conflict? This is not a conflict. Don't call it one. This cannot be blamed on a serious disagreement or more specifically the ongoing and incredibly challenging Israel-Palestinian conflict. No situation, feeling, or behavior can excuse the actions we have witnessed. This is not a conflict. This is terrorism. But when I was four years old, I learned how the word but removes all strength and dignity from the statement made before. Don't condemn violence, then use the word but. Wait until this has passed. Wait until the lost babies, children, and grandmothers are found. Wait until families have buried and mourned their loved ones. Wait until our friends and family have come home from combat. Then, only then, bring me the but. But in doing it in a moment before makes you a coward. Hamas. Hamas is terror. Hamas does not represent the Palestinian people, amongst them many who want autonomy and peace. When you equate the two, you remove the dignity and value of those living in Gaza with no escape. Today, Hamas, a terrorist organization in bed with Iran and others, have destroyed the souls of an entire country and nation. For context, this is part of the Hamas chapter, the Prophet Allah bless him and grant him salvation, he said. The day of judgment will not come about until mausoleums fight the Jews, killing the Jews. When the Jews will hide behind stones and trees, the stones and trees will say, Oh, Masalems, oh, Abdullah, there is a Jew behind me. Come and kill him. Everyone, meet Hamas. Peace? I stand for peace. I stand for peace is a lovely sentiment. And whatever side of the aisle you sit on, whatever path you believe is right, peace should be Peace should be the end goal. I pray for peace, but at a time like this, I want to know what else you stand for. Do you stand for life? Do you stand for hate? Do you stand for safety? Do you stand for religious freedom? Do you stand with your Jewish friends? There is so much beauty and hope for peace when I can finally catch my breath. I'll have no choice but to believe in the future of peace. Today, however, I don't have the luxury. Today, I must protect my family, support my friends, and fight. I know that my country and government is far from perfect and we have a lot of work to do inside and out to ensure we are safe and those around us live with dignity and joy. Yet none of that matters today because a terrorist organization has infiltrated every fiber of my life and soul. A terrorist organization supported by some of the most evil groups in the world has walked into my home and taken my breath away because I am a Jew, because I am a person. I yearn for the day when I can return to talking about the conflict and how I, as a proud Israeli Jew, can do more and better to support peace in our region. When that day comes, I welcome the discourse. Until then, I beg you, stand up for human life. Stand up for Jews. We are scared. That was written, again, by my first cousin, Jesko Vadja, who currently lives in Israel and is in the middle of all this with her husband and her children, and I pray for them and I pray for everyone who is in this. And I'll leave you with this last thing. 
The Jewish people are the most resilient people on earth. We will survive this horror. We will thrive once again. We always do. Never lose sight of that. Um, Yisrael, chai. Thank you.